Crisis on the Phone, the untold story. Paraquat. The Black Farmer's Crisis. Well, guys, I guess you're gonna we're gonna show that after we take the break when you introduce Mrs. Uh, Attorney LaRuby. So, good evening, good evening, good evening. Welcome to the 2020 Farmers Crisis on the Farm: The Untold Story. Speaking the truth about why black farmers might be dying at a greater rate than others. And we have brought in a specialist today to share some information with you that we at the 2020 Farmers Co-op believes is very important to black and brown farmers across the nation. More importantly, for those who may be taking care of black and brown farmers or those who may know black and brown farmers. One of our gist here at the 2020 Farmers Cooperative is advocacy, making sure that our black and brown farmers are well informed and we are collectively moving together so that we can increase economic parity for all. And I am very excited this evening to bring to you all uh, Attorney LaRuby, excuse me, LaRuby La May, uh, who is uh, one of the very few Black mass tort uh, attorneys in the country. And she has teamed up with the 2020 Farmers Co-op to make sure that we understand those things that might be affecting our Black and Brown farmers. So without further ado, I am going to turn it over to Attorney LaRuby May. 
So good evening, and thank you, Ms. Sharon, uh, for the unity and, and, and the invitation that you provided for me um, to come with in 2020 cooperative. Um, it's just, again, just an amazing opportunity, um, and I get really excited about the opportunity when I see folks who are trying to make sure to kind of help to educate our people on the different things and the different uh, uh, issues that, that they deal with. Um, as mentioned before, my name is LaRuby May, and, and I am an attorney. Um, I have my own firm, uh, ME, but I also have the privilege of serving as of counsel with Levin Pepitonio Rafferty, um, which is a mass tort firm in Pensacola, Florida, my hometown. And um, really, um, and, and this is where I get the opportunity to be able to serve as a member of the leadership team for the litigation team for the the mass tort uh, uh, for Paraquat. And I and, uh, just wanted to, to spend some talking with folks this evening about what Paraquat is, about what the litigation is, being able to answer any questions that people will have um, so that we live educating. I will say to start off the, the presentation, um, um, you know, obviously we want to be able to look at folks who've been harmed to see if we can help them. But, you know, the other thing about it is the product that I will be talking about, Paraquat, although it's banned in countries, uh, all in, in over 60 or 70 countries across the country, uh, it is still a legal product in the United States of America. And so that for as much as being able to help uh, identify and talk to people about those who've been exposed and have Parkinson's, it's also to be able to make sure to educate our people that, you know, asking our neighbors, our brothers, our families um, that are farming, that if they're using the product, um, to, to, to really think about using it and, and, and to encourage them to not use the product. Um, so now I'll go into to the presentation. And if you have any questions, feel free to put them in the chat. And like I said, I'll definitely spend as much time as I possibly can uh, answering any questions. Uh, so again, uh, I have the privilege of being one of 16 lawyers on the litigation team, the National Litigation for Paraquat. Um, for those of you who do not know, uh, Paraquat is a, is a very highly toxic uh, uh, herbicide, right? It is um, pretty amazing and, and very strong of a product. Um, what, what I'm told is, is, is you know, some people use Roundup, but uh, people use Paraquat because Paraquat worked almost immediately. Like if you sprayed it on the weed, you almost immediately would be able to see the weed dying. So it was a very strong and a very good product at whatever it did. Uh, the product was ICI was uh, the industrial chemicals, uh, was the initial company uh, that manufactured uh, Paraquat, and then they were bought by Syngenta, and they distributed the Paraquat in the United States um, starting um, in, the, in, the, in the early 60s. And Chevron, right, was a part of it until 1986. So Syngenta and Chevron were distributing it t together. And in 1986, Chevron stopped uh, uh, producing it. And that becomes important to you in terms of that's who we're suing as a part of the litigation of the manufacturers and distributor of the Paraquat product, which is Syngenta and Chevron. Um, it's also important to note that Paraquat is, um, uh, can be fatal. Uh, as many chemicals, but uh, to drink Paraquat, um, you'd have to only take a very little sip of it in order to kind of have fatal, fatal results. And, 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 the, you know, there's no, there, there's no antidote for it. Um, again, like I said, the early twenties, I mean, I mean, the early sixties is when Paraquat was actually introduced to the market, but it didn't come to the United States until like 1964. And again, as I said before, it, it was just a really good product, right? Like you could almost spray Paraquat 
on 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 a weed and go down the road by the time you come back not only would the weed be dead but it would also um, make it so that you can start you know sowing a new crop almost immediately so um you know making it again very efficient for the working for farmers to be able to do uh what they did you know it, you know farm food for their families for those of us uh you know not families you know providing for 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 others in the community um, I wanted to show you this Paraquat use data map um, so that people get an understanding of like how widely used Paraquat is in this country or how, how widely used it was. This map is from a map of 2017. So, you know, it kind of but you see usage in California, you see Florida, you see definitely see it kind of in the Midwest. Um, and, and so that's make sure people, wherever you are in the country, you know, that it's, 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 there's a very good likelihood that, that especially in any farming communities near you, that Paraquat was an, a, a, an herbicide that was being used. Uh, Paraquat, it, it really is, 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 is commonly sold under Gramoxone when you're talking to people and your family and your neighbors about whether or not they use Paraquat. Um, some will know the name Paraquat, some will know Gramoxone, Firestone, Cyclone. So there's lots of different uh, iterations or versions of the product, um, different uh, names that they tried. But ultimately, uh, it's the same chemical uh, that's in any of any of these products. Um, again, farmers, you, you know this better than, than I do, but this really is just talking about the ways in which our people um, on the farm were exposed to Paraquat. Right. And it ranges just like you see on the screen. It ranges from being sprayed with a backpack sprayer to crop dusters to to tractors and booms. And so that there are lots of ways in which the, the application of Paraquat happened um, on farms across the across the country. The, the one thing that we the one thing that we the one thing that we don't see is Paraquat was was sold commercially. So we don't see very much use. Uh, and we're not looking at residential use of Paraquat, which most people didn't use it um, like uh, around their homes or around your house, the family house. It, again, really was a product that was used on farms and larger farms. Um, as you can see from the pictures here, uh, cotton was a was a product, peanuts, soy, hay, tobacco. I mean, there were just so many products that Paraquat was used on because, again, it was a really it was really good. Right. Like it was expensive. But uh, um, but the, the, the cost benefit of being able to use it um, in no till farmer farming and be able to turn over your land really was uh, some of the benefit of using Paraquat. Even once Roundup was introduced, um, you know, there's still folks who who understood a greater value for the use of Paraquat. Um, so the reason kind of, as, as we mentioned, about the talking about Paraquat is because uh, what we what, what the science tells us is that exposure to Paraquat um, and we'll talk a little bit about it later, about what exposure means and how exposure is, but that uh, minimal exposure to the chemical Paraquat. Uh, causes what it does. It gets into our blood. It gets into our bloodstream. And there's a whole lot of science around how it actually gets into the brain. But we believe uh, that that the, that the facts and the science show us that that it does indeed get into the brain. And what it does is it causes Parkinson's disease. And to talk a little bit about Parkinson's disease, um, really wanted to to kind of help people understand some of the symptoms of the disease. And you know, many times people will 
many times people will only understand Parkinson's for people who kind of have shaking or who have what we identify as tremors, whether or not those are hand tremors or leg tremors. Um, but there, there are also other uh, symptoms of, of Parkinson's. An early symptom of Parkinson's that many people don't associate with it is the loss of smell. And so when we talk to Parkinson's patients and uh, 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 that it relates to this litigation and others, like, you know, they lost the sense of smell, but they didn't associate that with Parkinson's disease until later when they had Parkinson's and they were told, hey, you know, that that's one of the, the, the symptoms. And we see partial face uh, paralysis becomes a, a symptom of Parkinson's disease, uh, the stooping of the posture, um, dry eyes. Right. And some of that is really related to, to the medication that people are prescribed. Um, uh, the gait, like walking or shuffling um, your feet, you know, those are all uh, symptoms of, of Parkinson's disease. Um, for those of you who don't know that it's a, you know, Parkinson's is a, it is a horrible disease. It is very unfortunate that folks, you know, farmers, especially black farmers and folks who are just trying to take care of their family, take care of the community, you know, were subjected to a, a product or a chemical that caused them to have a disease that's incurable and it's also progressive. Um, you, many folks uh, begin to, to, to really uh, actualize uh, the symptoms of Parkinson's once they're like maybe in stage one or stage two, uh, I, I mean, stage two of the disease. Um, you know, we, we, we see lots of, uh, of changes, like some people, you know, as they progress through the stages of Parkinson's, if they were working, if they were mobile, it starts to create issues for them and being able to kind of do and deal with some of the everyday things that we take for granted, being able to, you know, button up your shirt or put your shirt on and, and, and things of that na nature. Um, and the thing about Parkinson's as well is Parkinson is not a disease or an illness that shortens your life it just progressively gets worse over the course of your lifetime. And uh, it, again, continues to kind of progress um, un, un, until death. Um, and what this means a lot of times in our community is not only for the person who may have to stop working or whatever the issues, but this also then begins to require family members um, to, to be able to take care of them. Um, so so when we look at folks who've been exposed to Paraquat, on the farm, you know, as an applicator, a mixer or loader, um, we, we, and then we know that that person has been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Um, we, we also like have conversations and, and with folks who have some of the symptoms of Parkinson's disease, but haven't um, been diagnosed. Again, I recognize and and, and there is an understanding around the disparity, the healthcare disparity uh, between black and brown folks. And it becomes even wider gap many times in our farming communities. And so some of our brothers and sisters, you know, they just haven't been to a neurologist, right? Like for whatever reason. And so they may not have been diagnosed, but they still may have symptoms. And, you know, some of them actually may be getting the same medicine prescribed from, you know, a primary care doctor and not for a, a neurologist. But um, uh, when we begin to look at the litigation, uh, we kind of look at looking for people that are in a couple of different categories as it relates to uh, your exposure. And that is either you're an applicator, a mixer or a loader, or you actually worked with someone who is an applicator, mixer or loader. So, you know, were you the one to take the concentrate, you know, put it together, mix it, put it in a mixing container and pour it in? Were you the sprayer? 
you know, or, you know, maybe you weren't the person that sprayed, maybe you weren't the person driving the tractor, but you're the one that helped to load it. And so it kind of gives you some of that, that, that exposure. Um, there, there are people who are exposed to it that are not kind of direct applicators or people who didn't directly work with the chemical. Um, and those are people, again, who maybe were working in the fields when the crop dust was was spraying the, the paraquat. And so there definitely um, are uh, situations where you weren't directly involved with the product, but you had some exposure. Um, and that, <clears throat> that, again, becomes a conversation. If you are in that situation or you have a family member that's in a situation that's been, you know, that has Parkinson's and they were not like a direct mixer or a loader or applicator, um, then it's just about, you know, you definitely having a conversation around being able to uh, be able to kind of validate or verify that exposure. And that not only matters for people who kind of have drift exposure, but even folks who had direct applicator, like if you directly, you know, mixed it or loaded or sprayed it, you know, part of, of, of the journey and being able to help hold these people accountable for this bad product that they put in our community is being able to, to, to know where it was bought or know somebody like, you know, the feed store, um, again, to just try to make the connection between the product that you use, where that product came from, so that we're able to kind of uh, uh, have a, a more confident of an argument that, you know, the product that you use was, it was Paraquat. You did use it. You did use it this many times, right? You did have this exposure. And after a time period, you were diagnosed with Parkinson's or you had the Parkinson's disease. Um, so, you know, many times farmers, um, you know, they're not worried about exposure when you're farming out there. And I'm not a farmer. My grandfather was a strawberry farmer, but I'm not a farmer. Um, but, you know, when you're when you're farming, you're kind of worried about doing the job, worried about the crop. You're not necessarily worried about uh, whether or not you, you know, you're being exposed. I mean, you know, paraquat was expensive, so people were very conscious not to waste it or not to spill it. But people weren't necessarily thinking that like, hey, even if I wear gloves and PPE while I'm spraying it, when I take it off and I untie my shoes, because I've been wearing my shoes out there that the moisture and the paraquat that's still on my shoes now are exposed to my hands. And if farmers are like my, my daddy, in terms of being a construction worker, you always have cuticles and like scratches or something, just that's just the nature of the work. And so that then is allowing for the paraquat to get immediately into your bloodstream. Um, the amount of paraquat needed into your bloodstream uh, to, to have a relationship and causing your Parkinson's it's minimal. It's 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 less than. Uh, initially, I had the picture on the screen with a thumb uh, uh, thumb guard uh, for when you're sewing, and and even less than that, less than a quarter uh, uh, of of the product is enough um, uh, to have the causation. And that's where you see, like again, just to kind of finish up on the intake criteria, proof of use and proof of exposure, right? Proof of use is like, hey, you know, did, was it your farm? Did, did you work on a farm? Like, were you an applicator? Like, did you file your taxes and on your taxes you put it that you worked on a farm? And just, again, being able to kind of help us tell your story around what you did, how you did it, how you used it. Did you use it in the summer? You know, many times we, we hear about folks using uh, the weed killer early in the morning to to. To, to kind of minimize it drifting away. So, you know, those facts that, that we don't think about 
uh, traditionally as farmers and doing the farmer's work are things that are conversations that we have now in terms of being able to show you exactly how much exposure you've had and to be a part of the conversation to hold Chevron and Syngenta accountable for the harmful acts that they had as it relates to this product. And again, that's also the same as exposure. Right. Like it is impossible. It is, it's pretty much impossible for you to have sprayed Paraquat and not have exposure. It's like almost like it's just non-existent. Like if you sprayed it, you were exposed to it. Um, and uh, and it's about just how much that exposure was. Um, that's kind of really, uh, you know, hitting what I believe are some of the, 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 the high points around Paraquat, around Parkinson's disease. Um, again, I'm, I'm very privileged to be a, one of few folk who look like me uh, around the, as a lawyer in the, in the mass tort litigation for, for Paraquat, but uh, even, you know, more grateful to have the opportunity to kind of come and speak with, with, with farmers and folks and family and friends of farmers um, to make sure that we're getting this information out so that people, if you just have a question, as you see on the screen, that's my phone, that's my cell phone number, right? That's my email address. If you have questions about uh, you know, the presentation or anything, please feel free to give me a call or definitely go to the website for 2020 co-op. You know, this is what they're doing. They're, they're partnering with folks like me and, and, and folks like our firm at LPR to make sure that as the litigation happened, because it's going to happen, it's going to move forward. Whether or not black farmers that have been harmed are part of the litigation isn't going to stop the litigation from happening. Um, but my desire is to make sure that as we go into this litigation and we hold Sentence and Chevron accountable, that we are able to hold them accountable for people um, that have been harmed in, in our community. So um, I'll, I'll kind of stop there. I, I could I could talk uh, for, for a really long time about this. Uh, uh, about Paraquat, just because I spend a lot of time with it, but but I'll, I'll take a minute to see uh, if there any questions um, that anyone would like for me to answer. Okay, um, we do have quite a few questions in the chat, uh, Attorney May, and I just want to shout some out here. Um, but one of the questions was, or I'm just kind of paraphrasing here, um, Paraquat's ability to be dormant in your system and then come out years later. Can you talk about that a little bit more? So it's, it's really, it's, it's not, it's not that it's dormant in your system. So what we do know is there is a, a latency period. There is a time period between when you are exposed to Paraquat and when we see the symptomology of Parkinson's disease. So like if you were exposed yesterday, then you were diagnosed with Parkinson's tomorrow, that Parkinson's disease is likely not to be related to the exposure of Paraquat. But if you were exposed to Paraquat, you know, 20 years ago, and then you were diagnosed with Parkinson's, you know, 13 years ago, seven, eight years later, we, we, we there's a greater likelihood that there's a relationship. And that's because Again, Paraquat gets into our system. It gets into our blood, you know, the blood-brain barrier. I mean, there, there's, there are experts that are much better at science than I am. But ultimately what happens is it gets into your brain, right? And it begins to redox, right? It, it, you think of it in terms of like it recycles. So it, probably the best lay way for me to understand it is get into the brain and it, it starts to destroy right, you know, neurons for, for, for lack of a better science word. And, and so then it redoxes and it continues to destroy and then it redoxes and it continues to destroy until eventually the destruction of what it does to the brain is what begins to have the onset of Parkinson's disease. 
Um, so I, 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 does that answer the question? I, I would think so. Um, I would think that's a good thing. Um, and so here's another question. Um, Paraquat is a toxic chemical that is widely used as a herbicide plant killer or primarily for weed and grass. Is that correct? Yeah, no, that is, that's correct. It is primarily a weed killer. I mean, that, it is a weed killer. That's what it's used for. So what you see a lot of times, again, um, in no-till farming, what you'll see is, is Paraquat being used again because it was powerful. It was targeted. And I could spray, t- I could spray Paraquat. I mean, Paraquat killed the weed you know, get into the soil. And, and, and again, in a short time period, my soil will be ready for me to sow other seeds. And it didn't even have to be um, of the same crop. So it was, you know, it's not a pesticide. It, it, it's an herbicide. And, and we see a lot of use on fence lines, right, for farms. You, a lot of times you'll have ditches as, as water retaining or like getting your water to flow off of it. So you have ditches. You'll see a lot of people use paraquat in those ditches to kill the weeds so that you can keep the flow of the water, the runoff that's happening. So so, so we definitely, I mean, you wouldn't see a lot of paraquat uh, use around the live crop because it pretty much kills everything. But you definitely, in those areas where you had weeds, um, uh, uh, would have it, would, would use it. I think it's important to say like as well, and we see a lot of paraquat use around citrus, you know, orange trees and 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 lemon trees and grapefruit trees. And so like it was definitely um, a, a well-used product. Okay. Um, another listener wants to listen or at least wants to to know, are there any particular brand names that that we may be familiar with? Gramoxone is probably going to be. I mean, it's either going to say Paraquat. I mean, for the most part, it was sold under the name Paraquat, but um, you'll, you'll also see Gramoxone. What I will do, let me see, I will, let me go back to sharing my screen, Ms. Sharon, and I'll go back to the uh, to the slide that uh, has some of the names for people. Uh, sorry. So, yep, Gramoxone, Firestone, Firestorm, Cyclone, Helmquat. Parazone, Parashot, um, those will be some of the ones that would be more common, but the most common is, is Gramoxone. Okay. Is that, is this, are these products sold in like your Home Depot or Lowe's or no. do you have no. to go to a special store? You're going to go to a feed store, a, a farm supply store. And that's why we don't look at very many cases for residential uses. It's not like Roundup where you can go and get it from the store, the Home Depot or the hardware store or something like that. Like this is a product because early on in the early 60s, when the product was produ- <clears throat> was introduced to the market in the United States, there was not a requirement. But eventually this became a registered use product. So you had to be a certified you had to be certified in order to purchase the product. So like not everyone could purchase it. And again, that, that when we start looking at exposure and like, did you use it and things like that, those become to evidence to be able to like, yep, you know, you purchased Paraquat because you had the license. Um, but I know, and we also know that, that many times uh, or, you know, yeah, many times in our community uh, having the license isn't a prohibition of us being able to get the product. You know, there may be one person that has the license who bought it and then allowed for other farms to be able to get it or buy it from them or use it. So I want to make sure that folks are not deterred um, and say, like, well, I didn't have a license. And, you know, so I, you know, and I bought it from, you know, the other farmer. Um, again, that's still worth the conversation because that other farmer may be able to verify uh, that they bought Paraquat and that they sold you Paraquat. 
Okay. Okay. So then that, that kind of leads to the next question. Then I think very appropriately, um, a question came from, um, the listening audience. It says, does the, does this class action involve deceased individuals? Yes. Yes. So, so for, first of all, let me just clarify that this is not a class action. This is a mass tort. And, um, so in, in kind of like the, the fundamental difference between a mass tort and a class action is in a class action, all of the members of the class, right? Whatever, if you win, whatever the settlement, whatever the trial decision, if you are victorious in the class action, everyone in the class is treated the same. It, you know, everybody wins when you get the $3 from Sprint or Verizon about a class action you got in your mail. Everyone who is in the class um, is a beneficiary and they, they have a, the benefit is the same. In mass tort, that's not the case. In mass tort, the damages for the individual are based on the damage to Paraquat. And at, at 55, and by the time I was 59, I could no longer work, whereas there's someone else who was exposed to it at 55, and they were able to work until they were 65 or 70. So their damages, their lost wages are different depending on each individual. So that's the first thing about clarifying the difference between the class action and the mass tort. Um, the other part is, yes, like if there is evidence and we're able to look at saying, you know, my, my mother, my grandmother, my grandfather, they're deceased. Um, when they died, you know, we can still access their medical records. They were diagnosed with Parkinson's disease and grandma, granddaddy worked on this farm and that farm is still there. Or we can talk to somebody who was at that farm and they can verify that grandma or granddaddy or cousin, whoever used Paraquat. I mean, we still go through the same conversation as it relates to being able to prove that the product that they used was Paraquat and then trying to get as much information about how often they used it. But um, we definitely represent individual, we, we represent a state, right. That are um, for, for individuals who, who, who have already transitioned. Okay. Okay. All right. That that's just extremely good information. And I encourage everybody out there in the listening audience to uh, follow us on our uh, social media links. Uh, they're up in the chat as well as uh, if you or someone you know might be affected with Paraquat, uh, please call the number that you see scrolling down at the bottom of the screen. That number is 850-436-6283. And you can receive more uh, information and counseling about what the next steps may be. And so it's our goal at the 2020 Farmers Cooperative to bring information that directly has an impact uh, on Black folk across the country. And uh, I think as attorney, uh, attorney LaRuby May mentioned that uh, things of this nature are not often brought to Black people uh, for participation. And we know disproportionately that uh, Black and Brown individuals who have been uh, farmers are not getting the information as their counterparts. Am I correct in saying that, uh, Attorney May? No, absolutely. I mean, and it's a direct correlation, right? Like, you know, the, I get the privilege of fighting two fights, right? I get the privilege of fighting the fight of getting more black lawyers at the table to to litigate the cases and then the fight to make sure that we're having more black and brown plaintiffs that we're representing. And so when you don't have a lot of black and brown lawyers at the table thinking and asking 
about where are the black and brown plaintiffs, uh, you, you start at a disadvantage. And so now um, to, to be able to have folk that are saying, you know what, like we're going to be intentional. And I appreciate the support. I mean, that's one of the things that Levin Papantonio has allowed me to do as a part of my work there on Paraquad is, is we're going to go, you know, again, that's why we're so grateful for the 2020 cooperative. We're going to continue to go. I'm going to continue to go into black and brown farming communities, educate our people about using the product, educate black and brown farmers about the ill effects that this product has had on our community and, and utilize uh, farmers. But you utilize the cooperative to kind of interact with farmers because I, I'm clear there is no reason on this side of heaven why farmers should trust lawyers, <laughs> right? Especially black farmers. We've been, you know, black farmers have been screwed uh, pretty tremendously by the legal system and by the legislative system and by, you know, some administrations. Um, but, uh, you know, which is why we appreciate the cooperative and others that we're trying to educate to be able to go in and educate the intimate kind of circled in the brother and sisterhood that you have in um, in the farming community. I want to say there's a question, are the products used in crop dusting practices? Absolutely. It, it, any way that you can spray a chemical, an herbicide or a pesticide, any literally crop dusters, tractors, backpack sprayer, like regardless of how it is that you are able to apply uh, a chemical, those are ways in which uh, a paraquat would use on farms. Okay. So, uh, Attorney May, then that leads me to the question, um, could I had possibly been affected um, by this stuff being airborne? Could I breathe it? Could it float in the air and I'd be exposed to it? So you could be, right? I mean, and so there, there are some, again, without getting like too technical into the science of it, um, the, the, the way, depending on like how it was sprayed and when you inhaled it, the, the droplet size of Paraquat are, are, are ones that um, through inhalation uh, uh, becomes difficult for, for us to kind of look from the signs that you being impacted through inhalation, right? But, um, uh, but it's more significant in terms of dermal exposure, getting on your skin and then uh, getting on intact skin, meaning your skin with no scratches, no cuticles, no nothing. And then the more, you know, no mosquito bite that you didn't scratch, right? And so you kind of stretch a little bit of skin up. So, so, so you could have been exposed to it because, you know, you lived across the street from a farm and that farm used crop dusting and they sprayed Paraquat. So you absolutely could have. Now where the challenge with that becomes, how do you know that they were spraying Paraquat? You know, is that farmer still alive? Are you able to go there and talk to them and say, hey, can you sign an affidavit that says, you know, in 1985, when during the time period of 1985, you sprayed Paraquat, you sprayed it about this many times because we got to be able to uh, associate and again, see how much your exposure was and be able to verify that exposure. So the, the closer you are to actually being the person to spray it, and, 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 and buy it and be able to verify your use and um, purchase and exposure of it, the stronger your case is. The further away you are from that, then the, the further, the, the more difficult it is to be able to uh, say that, that there's a, a causal relationship between your exposure and the actions of, of Syngenta and Chevron. Okay. Okay. All right. So again, if you believe that you or any of your loved ones, your neighbors have been affected by uh, this toxic chemical paraquat. 
um, it would behoove you to take the next step and give us a call at 850-436-6283. You can go to our website at www.2020farmerscoop.com uh, and obtain some more information. Everybody that registered for uh, this particular uh, informational session, you will receive an email following it with the uh, call-in number, which is 850-436-6283. So even if you are not affected, if you know someone in a farming community, especially black and brown individuals, share the information that you are, uh, are obtaining tonight and give them this call-in number because at least they can call. If they think they may have been affected, they may be able to get some assistance in uh, at least being diagnosed or, or, or uh, being able to pinpoint what some of the things we just take for granted because we might not have insurance or we're afraid to go to the doctor. So we wanna make sure black and brown people are just not out there thinking that they're growing old and this is part of the growing old process. We don't want um, any benefit left on the table, so, so to speak. So um, we appreciate you all coming out. Uh, I'm gonna ask I'm attorney, May, yes. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. For those, for those of you who live in California, when I talk about kind of the drift cases along the question that you asked, Ms. Sharon, in terms mm -hmm. of like if I just lived in a neighborhood or whatever, for those of you who live, have family members in the state of California, one of the benefits that you have is California was a little bit more insightful than the other states in the country. And they have essentially a database use of Paraquat. So if you bought Paraquat or any, uh, if you bought Paraquat in the state of California, they knew where you were, they knew where you lived, they knew where your farms were, and there's a database of that. So if you kind of grew up across the street uh, in the state of California, and you don't you don't remember who owned the farm, but you think it was Paraquat and you were exposed, you're able to go through this database and look and see and say, like, you know what, sure enough, Farmer John, who lived across the street from where I lived, he purchased and bought Paraquat and he used it. So that begins to be able to help strengthen your case in terms of the exposure, what you were exposed to was Paraquat, whereas that system is not one that we have in any other states. And so I just mentioned that, uh, that, that folks have stronger cases in those drift categories in the state mm -hmm. of California. Okay. Are there any other states that keep those type of records or documents? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. California okay. is the only state that, um, that we're able to, to, to have that type of data. Okay. Okay. All right. So I'm looking at the chat to see if we have any additional questions here. Um, I want individuals to know that uh, we are listening to this um, at On The Wake Up Radio. Um, and that's onthewakeupradio.com. And we want to thank our producer for this show, Cindy Ashby and Supplies 75. So I want you to sign up. Uh, to uh, on the wake up tube or otwtube.com um, and you can tune in and hear a rebroadcast or share it with individuals. Um, you can go to the www.2020farmerscooperative.com. We'll have a replay link there that you can share among your individuals. Most importantly, the next step is something that uh, you can share with anybody on your social media. So if you think you've been affected by 
uh, this chemical called Paraquat, please give us a call at 850-436-6283 and obtain some counseling, some information uh, that you just might find valuable. So I can't stress um, sharing the information that you've obtained tonight with other individuals that may be, um, you know, in your, your, your circle of friends. Um, I'm from the Midwest, uh, Indiana, and I know in my particular area, we have a lot of individuals that grew up down south uh, with Grandmama and Uncle Jojo and everybody, and we migrated up here to the north. And every summer, it was taking a trip down south, running through those cornfields and the cotton fields and hanging tobacco and all this kind of stuff. Um, so there may be a good possibility. So if Uncle Jojo um, Auntie May May and all of them, uh, if you think they've been exposed, um, you're on the social media and most likely they aren't. That's why we're doing this to make sure that we can take care of the elders in the black community and provide them with the assistance and the things that they need to get started. So I wanna thank everyone. I wanna thank our host, Cindy Ashby. Um, I want to thank On The Wake Up Radio for this broadcast and all the listeners out there and just really encourage you to uh, reach out and take the next step. Attorney May, I want to thank you exceptionally. We have another session coming up uh, in October. We want to make sure that everybody is aware um, and we're getting the information out so that uh, individuals can take the next step. So if I don't see any more questions, I saw a great job uh, all there. Um, we are sure going to... Sure, sure. Go ahead, Attorney May. These businesses like Syngenta and Chevron, they make business decisions. And their business decision is to put products into our community and to understand what the ROI, what's the rate of interest, like what's the return on their investment. And when black and brown communities are harmed, but we're not a part of the litigation and we're not making them pay for putting bad products into our community, it's actually a good business investment, right? They spend some money, put it in our community, they make a ton of money, and they never have to pay any of it out in litigations because we don't come to the litigation table to hold them accountable. And so, you know, even if you only look at it from that perspective to be able to, you know, I would love for Syngenta and Chevron when we win this case to actually be really pissed off about not just about how much money they have to pay, but how much of what they have to pay is going into black and brown farming communities. And the only way that that's going to happen is if we spread the word and make sure that our brothers and sisters, our black and brown farmers, understand what's going on and how they can participate. But again, you know, Ms. Sharon, thank you. Thank the cooperative. Thank you, Ms. Cindy, um, I'm, I'm for, for, for being the engineer of this experience. And thank all of you who have had, who've shared time with us. Um, uh, and I look forward to the second time and any other time that we can share this message. Okay. Thank you. And thank you, Attorney May. So www.2020farmerscoop.com. Thank everyone for joining us tonight. Good night. Good night.